You're listening to the First Corinthians When Immaturity Meets Worldliness series preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. First Corinthians chapter 7 this morning. That reminds you where we have been as we've been working our way through the book of Corinthians. Last week we began in chapter 7, verses 1 through 26. And uh, in, in this portion of scripture, Paul is addressing a number of issues. Uh, they are weighty issues, they are personal issues, and they are complex. The, the people of, of Corinth are believers, they're in a pagan society, and they're trying to work out their salvation. How, what does this look like in practical ways? They've written a, a, a few letters to Paul, and Paul is addressing their statements. And from chapter 7, verses 2 through 16, we find that there were some in the church, people who thought it was wise to desexualize the marriage relationship. They had this idea that husbands and wives should be this sort of married singles. And Paul says, your thinking is wrong. As a matter of fact, he says, no way, Jose. That's actually the Spanish translation there, all right? Well, that's not right. There were others who attempted to become celibate without the gift of celibacy. They had believed that it was spiritual um, to be celibate, even if you were married. And Paul is correcting that as well. And there were others who were looking to divorce their spouse. When they got married, they were both lost without Christ, they are married, one spouse came to Christ, and there are now those in the church saying, listen, if this spouse isn't saved, if they're not born again, maybe it's best that I divorce them and at least get another one who's saved or just live on my own. And again, Paul corrects that behavior. Then, in verses 25 through 40, Paul is going to pick up on these issues again and talk about uh, widows, uh, singles, fiancés and fiancers, whatever that is, fiancé, um, and marriage again. And smack dab in the middle of all these conversations, of all the complexity, we find verses 17 through 24. Let's look at them together this morning. Starting in verse 17. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordained. And so ordain I in all churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also, he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man, wherein he is called, therein abide with God. In a cursory reading, we might say that Paul is sort of having a senior moment, and this 
this strange break in the middle of this chapter seems somewhat out of place. What in the world, what does this have to do with anything that Paul has been addressing? And the truth is, what Paul is speaking about here turns out to be part of the entire argument. The ramifications for us are in here for every one of us, irregardless of our condition. In Corinth, here was the attitude of these believers in chapter 7, verses 1 through 16, and verses 25 through 40. This was their thought. If only I could change my situation, the the marital situation I'm in, if I can either get out of it, if I can get another one, if I can be celibate within this marriage, if only I could change this relationship, then I could be spiritual. Then I could live the life God had for me. Then I could could reach my potential for God. This situation, this circumstance is holding me back. And if I could only have this, then everything would be okay. And Paul says, that is not the case. That is not the truth. And we might not be able to relate with what's going on in chapter 7, all of us this morning, but we can relate with this idea that if I only had this, then life would be great. I I had imagined this morning that everyone in this room has had this thought. If I only had a little more money. Anybody ever had that thought before? Oh, just four of us. Okay, the rest are wealthy and rich, and they take baths in dollar bills, all right? But most of us would think, if I only had more money, then my life would be good. Then I would be free. Then I could do what God would have me to do, or whatever I wanted to do. We think, I think by default, this idea. Years ago, I was in church, at the church we served in uh, prior to this one, and the pastor was trying to encourage people to bring visitors and so here's what he said. And he said, if I were to offer each of you $100 for every visitor you brought next week, how many visitors do you think you'd bring? Now, right now, some of you are thinking, man, I could bring one. I could bring five. I, I, could, I could invite 20 people and say, I'll give them 90 bucks a piece. Or I'll give them 10 bucks a piece, and I'd still make out in the deal. And many of us were sitting there thinking, man, if I get 10, that's 1000 bucks, And we start to think, this is what I could do if I had that money. Now listen, this morning, we're not giving anything away, all right? So I'm sorry. But we think those thoughts. I wonder how often in our spiritual life we have the same idea that if I only had this, then I could serve Christ. If I only had this, then I would be more productive. If I had a better IQ... If I, could, if I could defend the faith in such a way that I could win the argument and I could, I could give it out that way, if I had that then, I could be bold, I could take a stand, I could witness. If I had a better job, this job is killing me. It's just bringing me down week in and week out, over and over again. If only I had a better job, then my spirit and my attitude would be right. I could serve Christ easily. Maybe you think this morning, if I had fewer children, I don't think anyone's saying if I had more children, I'm not sure that you'd say, maybe you would. If I had fewer children, or if I didn't have children, 
Remember what you did before you had kids? Most of you don't, but it was a good life, right? Freedom. But if I didn't have these kids, then my spiritual life would be fine. It's these kids that are driving me crazy. Maybe you think this morning, if only I was married. If only I had someone to do life with, then I would know God in his completeness, and then I could serve him. Or maybe you think, if I could only get rid of this baggage of a husband or a wife I have now. Now, don't move. Don't move this time. This is bad if you start, yeah, no amens, all right? But if, if I didn't have them bringing me down, my spirit would be right. I'd be the man, I'd be the woman that, that God has called me to be. And Paul says, you are dead wrong. The Corinthians thought that. And oftentimes we sit in church and we, we, we believe that some way, if I could just change my circumstances, I'd be spiritual. I'd love the Lord. I'd read. I'd pray. I'd be a witness. And the fact of the matter is, that is not true. Paul says here that he reminds us that no condition presents an obstacle to living the Christian life. Not any. And it's time for God's people to quit making excuses on why you can't serve the Lord, why you can't be the man or woman God has called you. Quit blaming everyone else. It's sort of our default setting, isn't it? And it started a long time ago. Adam and Eve sin in the garden. They throw this world into chaos. And God says, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was at. He says, what have you done? And the first thing Adam says is, Lord, it's that woman you gave me. Right? It's the woman's fault. If it wasn't for her, and then God goes to Eve and says, Eve, is this true? And she says, it's the serpent's fault. We've got to be careful. We want to blame people on why we can't serve God, why we can't know him better, why we can't be spiritual, why I can't excel and serve him for his honor and glory. And Paul says, we need not seek the right situation in order to enjoy Christian freedom and to serve God effectively. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, you don't know my condition. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the relationship I'm in. And I don't. You don't know my job. You don't know how difficult it is. You, you, I mean, you don't know what it's like to work with people like this. And I might, okay? But maybe I don't. You might say this morning, you have no idea of my daily struggles and my battles. My health, my condition. If only this would change, I could be right. And Paul understands that. And here's what he says. He now gives two explosive examples where he's going to convince the hearers of this epistle in Corinth and us today in Chatham that my social setting has no spiritual significance. Where we find ourselves today is not an excuse for not living out the Christian life. And Paul will make that abundantly clear. Look now, if you would, back at our text, verse number 17. He begins, But as God hath distributed, or appointed, or assigned to every man, that means man or woman, as the Lord hath called every man, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. Now, before we even start, I want you to know something. When Paul speaks to the church here, 
he lets them know right off the bat, this is not just for the Corinthian believers. He says, what I'm telling you, I tell everybody in all the churches. It's not just because Corinth was messed up. He is now going to explain how every believer is to function. And he says, wherever you were when God called you, whatever you were doing, whatever situation you found yourself, that's where God found you, that's where he called you, that's where he saved you, whatever that is, he says, now make sure that you walk the Christian walk. Wherever you found yourself in life, when God found you, he said, make sure that you walk your conversation, your lifestyle, you live out the Christian faith. We'll use this statement again, and I hope it hasn't become a cliche, I think Judy used it for the ladies' tea where she said, bloom where you're planted. And what Paul is saying is, no matter who you are, no matter where God found you, no matter what you're doing or relationship, you can bloom where you're planted. You can live out the Christian life. Now listen to me this morning. We understand, I believe we understand, that in salvation there is a change, right? When I am saved, and I'm not saved because I'm a good person, I'm not saved because I go to church, I'm not saved because I do the best I can, I'm not saved because I'm Baptist or baptized, but when I'm saved, when I call upon the Lord, when I trust in Him, there is a change that happens. A change of lordship happens. That's why for so many folks, there are a number of people who, you raised your hand in a service, you walked an aisle, and there was never anything going on in your life afterwards, listen to me, you better check yourself out. Because in salvation, there's a change. Lordship. I am not my own. I am not going my own way. I'm not doing my own thing. I used to think this. I used to be my own Lord, my own master, my own destiny. And some of you folks put a, a nice little religious twist on this. And you think, well, I'm just going to do it my way and I'm going to be as good as I can and I'm going to be kind to my neighbors and do this and that. Listen, you are your own Lord in your life. You have decided what way is right. But let me remind you, the Bible says there's a way that a man thinks is right, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a change of lordship. I'm no longer lord of my life. I trust Jesus Christ as my personal lord and savior. It's not about me anymore. It's all about him. I repent and turn. There's a change that takes place in salvation for my lordship. There's also a change that takes place in my spiritual values. When I come to Christ I realize, and we should all realize this, this life is a transient dream. It does not last. And the things that we think are so important in this world, we understand and realize they are all passing away. All of them. Death is coming to each of us. Whether we like it or not, we can't hold it at bay. And when I get saved, I realize that this world and this age and myself, it is all passing away. And so my spiritual values change. This isn't important anymore. The stuff of this world and what the world says, my my spiritual values change. And there's a change in my behavior. Listen, before we come to Christ, we have a lifestyle that is ungodly. It doesn't fall in line with God. It doesn't bring him glory. And so we change. There's some moral change that happens to us. Okay, There is change in salvation, but listen to what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that when we came to Christ, 
Our salvation came without requiring us to alter our ethnicity, our gender, our social or domestic status. This is God's amazing salvation. He came to me. He found me in the condition where I was at. And this salvation transcends and transforms every external circumstance in life. Listen to me. When God saved you, everything changed. As far as, your, as, far as who you were inside. Your circumstances didn't have to change because Christ, he, 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 he supersedes all of those things. And now I have new meaning in life. This morning, it doesn't matter if I'm a plumber or a pastry chef. My whole life has changed because of Christ. I'm now saved. I'm bought with a price. And that's what Paul is speaking about here. Look now at verse number 18. He says, Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not come, become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be uncircumcised. You think, this is really strange. What in the world is Paul talking about? Both of these procedures seem to be painful. Okay? Either way. And, in ver- and the next thing he says there is he says, in, in verse 19, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. And what he's saying is, listen, some of you folks, you think you're something because of your, your, your ethnic background. To the Jew, circumcision was everything. It was everything. It was keeping the law of God. It was a sign that they were in the covenant with God. And more than anything else, this rite of circumcision for the Jews said this, that the Jewish people, you are God's special chosen people. This is who you are. There's something to boast about. And Paul says, listen to me, whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, you're saved now. You don't have to change those things. The Gentile doesn't have to become Jewish. And the Jew doesn't have to become a Gentile where I want BLTs now and I want some pulled pork sandwiches and I just want to change my situation. He says, don't do that. It is nothing. And the point is this, that our God, he doesn't consider your background, your ethnicity, who you are, where you came from, to be of any value whatsoever. God doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him. Verse number 20, he says again, let every man abide, remain in the same calling wherein you're called. So he says it doesn't matter where you're born, doesn't matter your background. Now he says this in, in verse number 21, are you called being a servant? And this word means a slave. It means a slave. Let me remind you this morning that a third of the population of Corinth they were slaves. Now, slavery is a little different back then, as we think of it. Sometimes we think of slavery, we think of North American slavery. It wasn't always that. Sometimes slaves were well-educated. Sometimes they were skilled in labor. Some, often they were stewards. They managed the house. They took care of children. They took care of the finances. Okay? But in Corinth, a third of them were slaves. Not all of them had a good life. And another third of them were free men who had been slaves. And, and so Paul is saying, listen... Whatever your situation is, understand this. If you're a slave, even a slave, it's not an obstacle to serve the Lord. You can stay, not stay where you're at necessarily, but you can have a life of matter and meaning 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even a slave is not an obstacle to living the Christian life because Jesus Christ frees us from all those conditions. Look at verse number 22. He says, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. And here's the whole point that Paul's trying to say. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what your situation is, how terrible your job is, how bad your relationship is. It doesn't matter. None of these things matter to God. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you can still serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 23, he says, you're bought with a price. Don't get wrapped up in what people think or status, worth, and value. The cultural values that exalt or debase people according to where you're born, what you do for a living, how much money you have or don't have, your level of education, do not affect the worth of the Christian. And it should not infiltrate Christian thinking. This morning, what Paul is saying is this. Hey, the world tries to say you have value and worth because of who you are and what you've done, and we try to think that's important. And God says it's not important. We have worth and value this morning because we belong to Jesus Christ. This morning we have worth and value because Jesus Christ purchased us with his blood. We are saved, we are redeemed, we are sanctified. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now look at the very last verse of this portion. He says, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. He says, wherever you find yourself today, Abide there. Stay there. Serve God. Bloom where you are planted. Two points for this passage. Let me give you the first one. The first one is this. Status of any kind is irrelevant with God. It's irrelevant. This morning, Paul is not saying to us, hey, if you're in a bad situation, just stay there and don't worry about it. Hey, if you're living in a drug dealer's basement, don't just stay there. Get out of there, okay? That's not what he's talking about. We live in a society where we can better ourselves. And we should. If you can get an education, if you can further your education, if you can get a better job, do those things. But that is not the end-all, be-all. That's not what life is all about. Do not put stock in that. And what's happened in our world today is we have too many believers who think that who you are and where you're from and what you do and how much money in your bank is important. And we have this highbrow idea that, well, they're important, they're special, and they're not. And we've learned very little from the teaching of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. James goes on to say this, don't be a respecter of persons. And too often, we think of our situation or who we are as important. God says, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I have a story that um, I I enjoy. I've told it before, but I think it makes the point. True story. Uh, A number of flights were canceled in Denver years ago. Bad storms came in. And you know how that is in an airport. The flights are canceled. Everybody runs to the ticket counter, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how to get on the next flight. Long lines. People are frustrated, aggravated. And, and while a ticket agent was serving uh, an individual, a guy in a suit comes up, goes to the front, slams his ticket on the counter, and says, I need to be on the next flight out of here, and I want first class. And the woman just looked at him, didn't really respond, and just said, Sir, I'd be happy to help you, but I've got to take care of all these people first. So if you'd kindly go to the end of the line, which a long line had formed, I'll take care of you. 
And, and he wasn't impressed at all at that. He slammed his hand again down on the counter and said, Don't you know who I am? And the woman, without missing a beat, got on the intercom system and said, Maybe your attention. There's a passenger at the front who doesn't know who he is. If you'd be so kind to come and help us identify this individual. Right? And everyone broke out in applause. I love the story because I think it proves the point. Don't you know who I am? Can I tell you something? In the church of Jesus Christ, that attitude of, don't you know who I am, has no place here. Paul says, Jew or Gentile, you're a slave, you're free, it doesn't matter. At the cross of Jesus Christ, everyone is equal. Don't come in here saying, don't you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. Just like me. And I hope you're a sinner saved by grace. Because if not, you're in trouble. But the foot of the cross makes us all equal. That's the glory of the church. And Paul says, listen, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from or what what station or status you have in life. When you come together in the church of Jesus Christ, everybody is equal. We're equal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're plunging a toilet or you're performing a transplant. In Christ, we are brothers and sisters. This idea of status should never happen in the church of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter who your parents were or were not. It doesn't matter your path. It doesn't matter your educational level or your skill set or whatever you do. It doesn't matter what position you have in a corporation or a company or if you have none. The truth is, when we come together, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all on the same level playing field. That's the church. That's what the church ought to be. And that's what the church must be. Okay? And and, and don't be nervous by people. People are people. And the church is the church. And the church is made up of sinners saved by grace. I was joking with some folks on Wednesday. We were talking about just different people. And I said, I have a tendency to gravitate toward rough people. I like rough people. And by rough, I mean rough. I I see a guy in the street or a girl on the street, and they just look rough. And I think, oh, that looks like my Uncle Billy. Looks like my Aunt Betty. I I can relate to that. Okay, It doesn't trouble me at all. Truth is, I like people like that. They're usually honest and transparent and don't really care about what you think. But in this place, it doesn't matter if they're rough or not. When we come here, That status in God's eyes means nothing. Would to God that the church of Jesus Christ behave like that. I heard a story years ago, a true story of a church in the States, and it was was right around the time of uh, the emancipation of the slaves. And there was a, I think it was somewhere near um, D.C., but a, they were having members come that Sunday morning to, to join the church, and they'd have their members stand. And so they were calling the member's name, and one member um, was a black man, a former slave, and he came up and he stood 
to the, the, the right side as they announced names, and other people like that came up and stood to the side. And then they announced the name of this judge. He was a, a, a judge in D.C., born-again believer. And when he came up, instead of going to the other side where other people had gone, he went over to the side where the slave was and said, the slave is my brother. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And my friend, this morning, listen, we as believers have done a poor job at this. It is natural to, to gravitate toward people you like. Okay, if it was up to me after the service, I'd be hanging out with a bunch of guys smoking cigarettes with tattoos in the parking lot, right? I'd be cool with that. Okay? Now, don't do that if you're here. I won't be joining you. Okay? But, but listen to me. In this place, it's not that I just gravitate to who I like. We are believers. There should not be a click in the church, ever. It should be, hey, that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so, and yeah, they're a little bit crazy, but I still love them. They're a little bit odd, but you know what? They're saved, they're growing. Right? Paul says this status of any kind is irrelevant to God. It should be irrelevant with us as well. You better check your heart. And Paul takes these two explosive issues, the Jew thinking that there's somebody and him saying, it's nothing. And the free man thinking that he's okay. No, it's, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. And so, status of any kind is irrelevant with God. Number two, because God has called you in your situation, live out your calling where you're at. Too many of God's people, we make excuses why I can't be right with him, why I can't serve him, why I can't be serious about my faith. And you really believe that if you could change, oh, if I lived 50 years ago, I could live out my faith in an easy way. Or if I just had this position or this spouse or this family. And that's not what God is saying here. He knew who you were. He knew what your situation was. He knew your abilities. And yet he saved you in spite of all of that. And when he saved you, he purchased you with his blood. Can I tell you something? God didn't get a good deal with any of us. Not one of us. And yet in his grace and his mercy, he saved. And he knew all about you. And he saved you in the place he found you, with the gifts you have, in the situation you're in, so that he could empower you in that place to live out the gospel. You know what? You're at work with a bunch of jerks who have a foul mouth that you don't even understand what they're saying half the time. You know why you're there? Because God placed you there to be a witness of his grace and his glory, and I can't do it, but you can. Do you know why you have family members who are insane, who are drama queens and drama kings? There's a great proverb I just read the other day. I'm going to use it more often. It's a Polish proverb about people who want to suck you into their drama. You know who they are. And the proverb says this. When they want to do that, you say this. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Right? You understand that? Not my, I'm not getting wrapped up in that. You know what I'm talking about. We have some circuses going on. We got a bunch of monkeys out there. That's not my deal. But you know why you're in that family? Because God wants to place a gospel witness there. So they can see what real life is about. They can see how the gospel changes the life of one of their own, one of their insane family members who were involved in the circus and were involved in the monkeys and were crazy. 
You, you see how important this is? We just think, oh, if I could just get out of this family, I'd be spiritual. No, God put you there for a reason. For a reason. Do you know why you're in the neighborhood you're in? God put you there. And what he says is, wherever he puts you, that's where you need to blossom. That's where you need to bloom. That's where you need to live out your faith. Too many of you folks, you come in here week in and week out, you hear the word of God, you never allow it to transform you, you never allow it to change you, you just deflect it off of you or say, great message, good story, whatever, and you leave and you never allow God to transform you so that where you're at, you can be a trophy of his grace. And so Paul says to these Corinthians who thought, if I get out of this marriage, if I get out of this situation, if I could only be married, I'd be okay. He says, no, you're wrong. Wherever God has found you, he's placed you there, you live out your faith. Your faith. Bloom where you're planted. God put you there for a reason. You know why you're in this church? You're in this church because God put you here for a reason. To grow, to blossom, to bloom, to use your gifts, your talents and abilities for the cause of Christ here. And we need to understand that. And not begrudge or feel bad because we're not this or we're not that or I don't have this gift or this talent or I come from a broken home or a bad background or this is not my job and this is not my educational level. It doesn't matter. I'm not a florist. I don't have a green thumb. I just always thought that all of our goods and groceries just came from the store, right? They just sort of magically appear there. I never understood farming, grew up in a city, had no idea. But listen to me. I know this, that when you have flowers, a flower doesn't sit and think this. Boy, I wonder what, you know, the flower next to me, whether it's a rose or a marigold or a snapdragon or I'm running out of flowers or whatever, right? That flower doesn't worry about what's around that, them. The flower just blooms and blossoms where it's at. Christian, stop worrying about everybody else and where God has placed you you allow him to work through you and use you for his glory. We make so many excuses today why we can't be what God has called us to be. And this morning, I am talking to saved, born-again believers. I'm talking to people who know Christ. Not people just showing up in church or at religious. I'm talking people who are saved by the blood of Christ. Too many of us are making excuses why we can't be right with God and serve him. And what Paul is telling us this morning is this, there are no excuses. There are none. Hey, single adult, serve God where you're at. Right now, you serve him. You bloom where you're planted. Hey, married couple, get it together, man. Let your marriage be a, an example of Christ and his church. Let your children and your friends see that God has done something in your life and where you're planted, man, just, just bloom, just blossom. Allow God to use you there. You're raising kids? Don't just wish that time is gone now and pull your hair out and say, I can't wait till they're gone. Enjoy raising your children. They will be gone someday. And it's not spiritual to get involved with the church ministries and neglect, neglect your kids. Where your planet right now, invest your life into them, raise them, teach them, instruct them. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. 
you're a single parent, you're struggling, listen to me. Bloom where you're planted. You serve the Lord where you're at. And allow God to use your life for his honor and his glory. You can be a blessing to someone else. You can understand where they're coming from. You've been hurt. If you're a widow or a widower, bloom where you're planted. God has brought you through this time of grief and suffering and given you comfort so that you can comfort someone else. If you're a doctor, lawyer, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, doesn't matter. Serve God where he has placed you. If you're blue collar, if you're white collar, if you're healthy, if you're sick, quit making excuses. Your situation being magically changed isn't going to change who you are. Understand that? God wants to change you now where you're at. So Paul says, whatever your situation, wherever God found you, wherever he's placed you right now, whatever that is, married, singled, divorced, widow, good job, bad job, no job, Rich, poor, black, white, red, yellow, whatever it is, where you are, God has called you. He knew all about you. And what he expects for all of us is that we would bloom where he's planted us, that we would walk in our Christian character, integrity, that we'd learn of him and reflect him to the world. And so this morning for us, here's the challenge. First and foremost in this church, status of any kind is irrelevant with God, and it should be with us as well. Hey, after church today, why don't you find somebody you have nothing in common with? Say, I, yeah, pastor just told me to find some rough people. You look rough. I'm going to talk to you. Okay? You can try that and get away with it this week. Next week, you'll be punched in the face. Okay? You could try it this week. Say, hey, man, hey, I'm sorry. I know you've probably been coming here for 10 years, and I, I sit in the front, you sit in the back. Man, who are you? What's going on? Tell me about your life. You can do that. You can do that. Many of you people came to this church because when you came here, you were welcomed, you were loved, and you were received. The church was friendly. And now you sit here, and you're not. Shame on you. Shame on you. I don't care who walks through those doors. I don't care what they look like. If they're here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should love them and accept them and be glad they're here. Right? So that's our job. Status of any kind, irrelevant with God. And because God called you in your situation, he knew all about it. He, he knew where you would be today. Therefore, wherever you're at, quit trying to escape, man. Quit trying to just get out and think it's going to be better. God has put you there for a time, for a reason, for lessons to learn. And while you're there, don't just survive. Oh, God, help me to survive. But thrive. And say, God, you've put me here, you've placed me here, you've called me, you knew all about me, and here I am. And so, therefore, Lord, with the best of my ability, with what you've given me, with what you've enabled me to do, with where you've placed me, with these people, in this situation, just use me. Just use me. Here's our amazing God. He can. There's nothing hindering him from... Using people for his glory. Nothing. God's arm is not shortened that he cannot save. Nothing's impossible with him. He can and he will. And so for many of us this morning, 
it's time to quit making excuses and why we can't because of our situation. But to be honest, say, God, you know, I've been, I've been lying to myself. It's time for me to understand you've placed me here for a purpose and a reason. And even though I may not like this now, I can still reflect the glory of God in this situation. And that's what he had for all of us. Let's have a word of prayer this morning.